Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. We begin this morning in the Central Valley in Stanislaus County, where 14 residents of a nursing facility have died of COVID-19. KQED's Kate Wolf reports it's one of the state's deadliest nursing home outbreaks since the pandemic began. A hundred residents and 49 staff have tested positive for the coronavirus at Turlock Nursing and Rehabilitation Center. That's according to an update issued yesterday by the facility's owner, healthcare company Covenant Care. The company says all residents and staff have been tested and some retested, and that the facility has designated separate wings for negative and positive cases. To increase safety, the facility has also temporarily stopped admitting and discharging residents, and staff are screened when entering. Data from nursing homes is still incomplete, but based on the numbers collected by the state's Department of Public Health, this outbreak looks to be one of the deadliest in Northern California, behind an outbreak in Alameda County where 17 have died. In L.A. County, at least 11 nursing facilities have seen more than a dozen deaths, and one facility in Tulare County has reported 28 deaths. For the California Report, I'm Kate Wolf. Yesterday, L.A. County's 10 million residents got word that they'll be sheltering in place through July, at least. Here to explain is the California Report's Saul Gonzalez, who is in Los Angeles. Hey, Saul. Hey, Lily. L.A. County's Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer says the stay-at-home order needs to be extended because coronavirus infection rates and deaths keep rising in the county. Although only about a quarter of all Californians live in L.A. County, it accounts for nearly half of all coronavirus infections in the state and more than half of all COVID-19 deaths. But public health authorities say the stay-at-home order could be gradually relaxed as more coronavirus testing and contact tracing are done. And L.A. isn't in a complete lockdown. Many non-essential businesses have been allowed to reopen for pickup delivery, and I can tell you from personal observation that there are noticeably more cars on the freeways and streets than compared to weeks past. And today, Los Angeles County's beaches are scheduled to reopen. People will be allowed to exercise on the sand and in the water, but picnicking, sunbathing, and beach volleyball are still a no-no. Lily? Thank you so much, Saul. Well, let's head further south to San Diego County. A city councilman there is speaking out against the state's stay-at-home orders. KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman has that story. Oceanside City Councilman Christopher Rodriguez is asking local business owners to join his push to get the local economy back up and running right away. We want to protect public safety, but we have to survive. And there's no other choice but to open and to provide. Rodriguez published a letter over the weekend telling business owners to reopen if they feel comfortable. And gym owner Lou Uridale says he does. We're opening Wednesday because Chris is having a ton of business in Oceanside. I think he said over 100 businesses in Oceanside open by then. 
and we're going to be one of those businesses. We're going to stay united with Chris. Uridel has already tried reopening his gym a couple of times, but has been cited by police for violating the public health order. He says for many of his customers, the gym is a place that helps maintain their mental health, and he simply can't deny that anymore. We've had members that are, that are suicidal, members that are former drug addicts that have gone through extreme health conditions, and also active duty and veteran with PTSD. This is their form of therapy. In a statement, Oceanside Mayor Peter Weiss says businesses remain subject to the county health order and that neither the city council nor any of its members have the authority to change that. For the California Report, I'm Matt Hoffman in Oceanside. Well, it turns out that a lot of California voters are deeply concerned about the impacts of the pandemic. That's according to a new poll by Change Research. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos has more on the survey of 2,500 likely voters. The online poll found that a bipartisan majority of voters say they're concerned about the government response to COVID-19, as well as the economic impacts of the pandemic. But Democrats are more than twice as likely than Republicans to be worried about themselves or a family member getting sick. The survey also found overwhelming support for a legislative proposal to ban flavored tobacco products in California, with majorities of Republicans and Democrats backing the measure. That bill is supported by Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, which also paid for the poll. The legislation will get its first hearing today. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. Governor Gavin Newsom says he's amending the statewide stay-at-home order to allow more offices to reopen, as well as stores and malls, but only for pickup. He says the state has opened dozens of new testing sites in recent weeks and is now conducting an average of 35,000 tests a day. All of this, again, can't come soon enough because all of this is part of our roadmap to reopening. The ultimate goal is north of 60,000 tests daily. Newsom's recent announcement that pharmacies will be allowed to begin testing soon may help with that. The governor says Butte and El Dorado counties can now reopen restaurants for dine-in. Another 27 counties are also asking to reopen on a quicker timeline. We're going to turn to other non-COVID-19 news now, starting in the valleys northeast of Los Angeles. Republicans there appear headed to victory in a closely watched special election for a vacant congressional seat. Republican Mike Garcia got a congratulatory tweet from President Trump this morning, although the race has yet to be called. At last check, he does hold a significant lead over Democrat Christy Smith. Here's more from KQED politics reporter Guy Marcerati. Republicans in the 25th district were really motivated by the opportunity to flip a California House seat from blue to red for the first time this century. We saw both parties spend over a million dollars on the special election. Meanwhile, California's stay-at-home order limited campaigning and led to an election that was conducted largely by mail. Even if Smith can't close the gap on Garcia, she will get a second chance in November. The two candidates will meet again on the ballot for a full two-year term. That was KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati. Further north in Silicon Valley, Facebook has agreed to pay a total of $52 million to content moderators to compensate them for mental health issues they developed on the job. KQED's Rachel Myro has that story. In September 2018, a former Facebook moderator sued, claiming she developed post-traumatic stress disorder after nine months of reviewing images and videos of rape, murder, and suicide. Soon others in California, Arizona, Texas, and Florida joined the suit, and this preliminary settlement filed in San Mateo County Superior Court could benefit more than 11,000 current and former moderators. 
Many working for modest pay at consulting firms Facebook contracted with over the last five years. Final approval from a judge is expected to happen by the end of this year. For the California Report, I'm Rachel Myro. Over the last year, we have been bringing you updates on a universal basic income experiment happening in the Central Valley city of Stockton. That's where a small group of randomly selected individuals have been getting an extra $500 a month. While today, in our current reality of widespread illness and record unemployment, a concept like that may be more welcome than ever. For his thoughts, we called up Stockton Mayor Michael Tubbs, who shared what the data show about how participants are spending the money during the pandemic. We have learned that, again, just like people were doing before COVID, folks are spending money on little necessities. So we found that during the COVID time, food spending went up from about a third of all purchases to up to 50 percent. And that's been declined on things like um, like appliances and clothing, et cetera. And folks are really hunkering down and making sure they have the, be- the basics of shelter in place. Um, and what else has struck you about this data? Well, I, I think the, the biggest, not surprise, but I think the biggest question that arises for me out of the data um, speaks to if these 120 individuals who are randomly selected during this pandemic what would they be doing if they didn't have the $500? Like, how would they have food? Like, where would they get food from? And that causes me to ask about 300,000 plus other people in my city and doing everything we can to make sure that folks have access to food in a way that's affordable or free. And the experiment, I believe, is set to sort of um, sunset in the next couple of months. Has there been talk about extending it out further, given what's going on with the pandemic? Absolutely. We've been talking to a couple folks about um, extending it further. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll have an announcement on that. And we're working overtime to make that happen. I'm wondering from you, um, you know, the first time we talked about guaranteed income in Stockton was March of 2019. And so you've had a lot of time to absorb the results of this experiment, in addition to being really pivotal in spearheading it. It's been striking to see people like Senator Kamala Harris um, advocating for a very similar structure. She's calling now for $2,000 a month to go to every American while this goes on. She's a moderate Democrat. Are you surprised to see people like her uh, pushing this idea? What's interesting about this concept is that it actually has bipartisan support. You had folks like Senator Romney and others talking about direct cash assistance to folks in this pandemic. And we have to make sure that people are able to pay for basic necessities. There will be a prolonged economic crisis after um, COVID-19, particularly for the groups that are oftentimes most impacted um, by di- downturns in, in the economy, people of color, women of color, et cetera. So I would argue that $2,000 a month during the pandemic is a great step, but it's time to really think about our social safety net and understand that we live in a time of pandemics. If it's not an illness, or if there is an earthquake, if it's not an earthquake, there's a fire, but these happen yearly. So we need to make sure that folks have the tools they need to build a great foundation. And I feel like guaranteed income is, a, is, is an important part of that, pro- of that solution. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I really appreciate your time, and we look forward to having you back soon. Anytime. Thank you. Finally this morning, when facing major disasters, California looks to first responders like firefighters and nurses to save lives. But what about rebuilding those lives after they've been saved? Some say that's where arts and culture workers might prove essential. KQED's Chloe Veltman reports. It didn't take long for California's artists to spring into action after the coronavirus pandemic hit. Let's grab our pencils or our pen. 
So let's first start with a little bit of slow drawing. People like San Francisco illustrator Wendy McNaughton, who started offering virtual drawing classes to keep confined kids busy during lockdown. And musician K.O. Anderson, who's been organizing online sing-alongs at the keyboard to help boost the morale of people dealing with poverty in Los Angeles. There are countless more examples of artists and cultural groups offering up their services, often at no cost, to help the disaster recovery effort. They're doing this despite the fact many have themselves been hit hard by the failing economy. We're absolutely decimated right now. The arts and culture sector were the first to shut down and likely will be the last to fully reopen. That's Julie Baker. She heads up the advocacy group Californians for the Arts. With California currently looking at a $54 billion budget deficit, she's worried about the future of the state's funding for the arts. If there are going to be cuts across state agencies, do not cut the arts budget in greater number than any other agency. Arts advocates like Baker are hoping to keep the state's $26 million arts budget intact by persuading lawmakers that cultural workers are essential to the disaster recovery process as what she calls second responders. A first responder comes in and saves a life. A second responder comes in and helps to rebuild a life. Framing artists as second responders to potential funders, an idea previously discussed in California in the aftermath of the 2017 Sonoma wildfires, could help bolster support for the cultural sector, says Bay Area arts consultant Mark Vogel. Arts advocates have got to carry whatever flag will fly the highest in the eyes of policymakers, decision makers, government, private foundations. But Fogel says not all art is meant to serve a therapeutic cause, and he's concerned artists will feel obligated to change the scope of their work in order to appeal to funders. There will be a lot of chafing and frustration among many artists that their programming has to be further constrained. Meanwhile, Governor Gavin Newsom's new 100-member task force on business and jobs recovery has one or two corporate entertainment executives, but as yet doesn't include a single leader from the arts and culture world. The governor's office declined a request for an interview. For The California Report, I'm Chloe Veltman. And that's the California Report for this Wednesday. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Have a great day, everyone. Support for the California Report comes from California Earthquake Authority, offering earthquake insurance to help Californians protect their financial futures. EarthquakeAuthority.com. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems, and Personal Capital, offering remote telefinance services with financial advisors and digital financial planning tools. PersonalCapital.com. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more 
all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Happy reading!